0: Welcome to the real estate. Put the timer on. Welcome to the real estate baddie podcast, where I talk about real estate, entrepreneurship, and current events. I am your host, Tabitha Richardson, and today I have a special guest, Vernon Vaughn, who is the builder extraordinaire. Hello, how are you?
1: Hey, Tabitha, thanks for having me. I appreciate it.
0: I am so excited to have you on the show because I have been a fan for a really long time, just admiring your work, seeing what you're doing in the DMV area. So are you, you're you originally from Maryland, right?
1: Yep, so born, born in D.C., raised in Southern, in Maryland.
0: Okay, okay. So how did you even get into building?
1: Uh, so, I mean, first I started out uh, in real estate as a um wholesaling fix and flipping and uh as we got into 2016 uh i just kind of saw that there was there was an opportunity right i saw that uh i saw that you know the market was getting competitive again right people were kind of kind of paying more for houses and then i would pay, right um (laughs) and, 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 and you know and i i had been through a market cycle I had been through a whole market cycle. So I wasn't in any rush to overpay for anything. To this day, I'm still not in any rush to overpay for anything. Uh and so I just uh saw uh new construction as a p- that uh almost nobody was fishing from, right? So 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 I I saw the opportunity.
0: So were you in real estate before that? In no. any aspect, any role?
1: nope so I've uh so I came came into real estate as an investor only I, I I got my real estate license when uh a very good friend could no longer give me his MLS logins anymore <laughs> we're I, not
0: gonna say that friend's name either
1: yeah <laughs> got, oh, no, got a few you got a few this is and this is right back in the 2005 and you know you got a couple of letters from from Maris and uh he was like can't do anymore. Because you know
0: what? That was probably the time when we used to have those key fobs. So they was, used to make you log in with those run. key fobs and they can see like where the multiple logins at the I same remember. time. So, yeah, it was around that time.
1: Oh, so I had to get licensed. So I could be able to access the MLS to uh, um, access inventory or really more more often than that, just use it to, to run. Yeah. Um, reliable comps. Uh, but I've, yeah, I've really just been in this industry as a as an investor, uh, and, and builder.
0: So and, uh, like running comps, was it just your own, Hey, common sense or like you didn't have any kind of previous training, um, didn't go through a program, didn't shadow anyone. You just kind of jumped in there.
1: Yeah, yeah, before, yeah, I remember um, I, I had a brother who, uh, who who was licensed, and this is back uh, when, uh, for the MLS, you had like floppy disks you had to put in, right? <laughs> you know a long so that, time. Long You're dating, home. and
0: I'm going to act like I don't know when that time was.
1: I used to bug him the, you know, I used to go to his house uh, in Baltimore, and I'd be there for, you know, hours on end, and, and they'd like, All right, man, that's I'm about to go to bed, but, you know, so, but it was, but I just kind of taught myself and, um, you know, ha- having reliable data was, was always important to me. I, I uh, proud of myself and not having to depend on somebody else to give me uh, an opinion of, of, of value, right. Uh, mm-hmm. When it comes to underwriting a deal um, it's, it's got to check the boxes for me, right. Because I'm, I'm, I'm putting my mouth. Uh, I'm putting my money where my mouth is. I'm asking investors, or partners, to, to you know, put their their money and resources where where you know where my mouth is. So you know,
0: I've got to. I've, I've right. Gotta, it's got to be right. Right. So tell us about your first deal.
1: Okay. So first deal uh, on Gladstone Avenue in Capital Heights, Maryland was a uh, was supposed to be a lease. It was a lease option deal uh i found it from doing door-to-door flyers uh believe it or not um i remember and i remember it was uh it was like a fall day where it gets you know well winter day where it gets cold at like i mean where it gets dark at like 5 p.m Mm -hmm. and i had i had a couple i had a couple hundred flyers right and i had been out for a couple of hours and this was the last neighborhood and i had you know maybe 70 or 80 flyers. wait
0: what does the what did the flyer say
1: what so were you trying said, to do we, we buy houses
0: okay so were you trying to wholesale
1: i was trying to do whatever i could so whatever <laughs> that's, that's one thing about me you know when the deal presents itself um if you go into it with the idea of it's only going to be a wholesale it's only going to be a rehab that's what it will be uh and sometimes it won't be anything because if it doesn't fit that model it won't fit but when you kind of in with the open mind Uh, your options also open up. But anyway, this neighborhood, I had, you know, 60 or 70 flyers left. And I remember uh, pulling up into the neighborhood. And the very first thing you see to the entrance to the neighborhood was a We Buy Houses sign hanging on a tree. And I was like, I might as well skip this neighborhood because if they were going to sell their house, they would have sold it to the guy that had his sign up. And I said, at the same time, I am trying to get rid of these flyers. It's cold. It's dark. I'm ready to be done. So I went ahead and uh, flyered the neighborhood anyway, and got a call from a seller who uh, who was ready to relocate to uh, to North Carolina. And uh, and that was my first that was my first deal. Learned learned a whole lot of that.
0: So what did you do? Did you flip it?
1: So ultimately, I ended up flipping. So it was a uh, lease option deal. Lease option deal the plan so explain
0: on the, lease. the lease
1: option absolutely plan on the lease option deal is uh number one you're not you know you're 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 doing owner financing uh, or leasing the property from the seller so you're not closing on it you're not coming with cash to close on it uh, essentially you're renting with the option to buy from the seller now what you're trying to do is then trying to find a buyer tenant so you're finding a person Who's going to rent the property and exercise an option of purchase typically in a year to two years that's how it's supposed to work right so
0: you were the middleman in that you're leasing it from the seller you're kind of subletting it to someone else with permission
1: yeah with it's also called a sandwich also called a sandwich lease option Um, now i
0: never heard of that now i don't do rentals much but i never heard of that so the sandwich deal, in a sense, is just basically what you're doing. You lease it from the seller, then you find someone else to actually rent the property, and you're the middleman in that transaction. And Correct. you hope for them to buy it in the end, like a year down the road. So, are they buying it from
1: you? Correct. So, so yep, that's that's what they're doing. You can, I mean, and they can buy it from you. They can exercise the option to buy it directly from the uh, seller uh just the way you the way you exit the deal um you know you have a little bit of you had a have a little bit of leeway you can do double closings but uh so kind I of the of, same
0: like how a wholesale would work you yeah you it, can either do like an ABC or think of
1: uh think of a wholesale deal that lasts a year and a half to two years um, okay it's, it's ideal when there's not a it's ideal when there's not a lot of equity in a deal uh and a reason why it's ideal when there's not a whole lot of equity number one typically you're not spending a lot on fix-up uh with the lease option deal Mm -hmm. um you're offering it to these buyer tenants and 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 they get to create some sweat equity. um also since you're not having a close on it so you don't have you know your first set of closing costs you don't have your financing costs you don't have real estate commissions. You're you're paying ideally because you're locating. You're finding you're finding your buyer uh, without having to uh, list it on the on a market and pay a you know commission. Uh, so it's 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 ideal when there's when there's not a whole lot of equity. Uh, and it does allow things like equity equity buildup. Now, so a lot of quick question.
0: Off. So yeah. now, are you negotiating the sales price of the house in the beginning, or are you negotiating it later on if they exercise? Like, so you and the seller, when do you uh, negotiate that sales price?
1: So you neg- negotiate that sales price. I mean, that's typically first conversation, right? So you find out the amount that the seller needs to or wants to get and of course you have gotta you know um you know at that point you have a meeting of the minds or negotiation start so you've you know so you set the or agree upon a purchase price and then of course as the um you know with you being in the middle of that lease option you've got to set the exit price um and it creates, and, and there are a couple of profit centers. Uh, so in a lease option deal, uh, one profit center is the buyer tenant is gonna give a uh, option consideration, all right? So it's typically, uh, sometimes they'll say, typically say three to, three to 10% of the of the sales price. On this particular deal, the uh, option uh, consideration and buyer tenant pay was $7,000 right so, so they paid that seven
0: thousand to you
1: paid it yep paid it mm-hmm. to me that goes towards the that goes towards the uh uh purchase price if they exercise the option if they don't exercise the option it's it's a non-refundable option fee. so that is okay. that, so that's seven thousand dollars uh that was you know immediate almost immediate profit then of course you've got your monthly cash flow so mm-hmm. keep in mind you're not you're not going to closing on this property immediately so you've got financing that's already in place for this property uh the mortgage in place the mortgage in place was i remember it's like 753 a month uh including piti so including principal interest taxes and insurance Mm -hmm. and this was a three-bedroom 2000 and what 2004 so it was being rented at $13.50 Thirteen fifty a month. So it was some So now
0: were cash. you paying the mortgage? I was directly. So you weren't paying the the homeowner. You were paying okay. the mortgage directly.
1: Absolutely. Okay. To ensure, to ensure the mortgage is actually getting paid getting right. paid. Yeah, they hate to give the. Uh, the owner, $1,300, I mean, I'm sorry, the 753 a month and then find out.
0: They weren't paying innocent foreclosure. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> right. Exactly. So
1: that was paid, so that was paid directly to, to the mortgage. So it did create a, uh, uh, an immediate cash flow of almost 700 bucks a month. And then, of course, the biggest profit center is on the exit. Right. So when you do sell the property to this uh, to this buyer tenant, you um, so I had an agreed upon uh, purchase price uh, with the seller of 125, and at the time, they probably might have been worth like 140. So it wasn't a whole lot of equity there, mm-hmm. just at the time it wasn't. Uh, but um, over, and, and I set a, a an exit price, I set a, uh, a sale price with the buyer tenant of 150.
0: Okay. okay.
1: Now it took, I was, uh, in that deal for like a year, year, eight months over mm-hmm. that year and eight months, two things happened. Uh, so, um, uh, uh, so debt pay down, right? Mm-hmm. So, the, so the underlying, uh, balance of the was pay down also appreciation. Right. Uh, and ultimately that, that deal. So in the end on that deal, the buyer tenant wasn't able to purchase. Uh they, they came into it with less than ideal credit
0: mm-hmm. a year eight
1: months later their credit was even you probably less, knew
0: that anyway.
1: Was was even less than <laughs> less than ideal. it right. got worse.
0: So it you pocketed that seven thousand plus the extra seven hundred a month. And now did you um acquire did you put another tenant in or did you just nope. purchase it?
1: After that, so did a did a minor rehab uh after the tenants uh moved out uh also worth noting the tenants didn't pay the last two months of of, of their rent so some of that option uh uh consideration they paid up front went to cover debt service Mm -hmm. uh, and then did probably a a light ten thousand dollar renovation sold it for 180 something thousand dollars
0: so how many of those kind of deals did you do
1: i've done i mean that 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 was my first and only lease option deal i have done owner financing deals uh, since then. But right after that deal, I jumped into, uh, more rehabs and wholesales. So some more straightforward deals. Um, you know, deals that had more, more equity, um, You know, more meat on the bone just from the get go. But I mean, at least, at least the options are still a very viable uh, strategy. Right.
0: I mean, yeah. it's probably yeah. something that people now that's getting into real estate never thought of doing. And, you know, people are always looking for that low out of pocket way of investing. This is a great way to jump in and get started. I mean, you did this how many years ago?
1: So this was two thousand and three, two thousand. Right, so. so
0: many years ago, but it's still something that yeah. can be done now.
1: Yeah, owner, yeah. Some, some of the best, some of the best deals you can ever do are uh, are owner finance deals, right? Uh, as investors, right. we often have, as investors, we often have um, issues with capital. Like it's just, it's not enough capital to to go around. And owner financing certainly helps you alleviate those those issues, right?
0: So how much did you normally have to put down though with owner financing? Was it the 20%?
1: No, uh on that one I didn't have to put anything down. So that was that, the lease. Yeah, on that lease often didn't right. have to pay anything down. The thing was is that, you know, I you know, the owner said, you know, from the day I evening I met the owner, you know, she said she was gone in about 30 days. So once we came to agreement on price, the agreement was mortgage payments become our responsibility in 30 days, hell or high water. Now, a lot of lease option uh, agreements do have a stipulation where you're leasing and you can give keys back to the owner and say, hey, it's not working out. But the reality is, is anybody who moves out of their house and relocates to North Carolina doesn't want the house back. right? Right. That conversation, right. that conversation ain't gonna go over well at all, regardless of what they sign. So, right. so it was my understanding that, you know, I I am responsible for this eight hundred, you know, dollars a month, whether I have a tenant, no tenant, no, paying right. tenant, non-paying tenant, didn't matter.
0: So now, were you doing this and you were working, or did you just jump in time, like full time?
1: Yep. No, I I was working in corporate, uh, corporate America doing, um, uh, doing market research. Yep. So I was working.
0: So what made you decide, you know what, I'm going in full time doing investing. What happened that made you say like this investing thing is just a, a better deal than me spending eight hours working for someone else.
1: Um, I, I I mean, and it's not romantic at all, but I just saw the profit potential. I mean, that's it,
0: romantic. It's romantic to me.
1: It's, romantic, <laughs> it's very romantic to me, but it's not. A, it's not like I played with building blocks as a kid, and I, now I saw the profit potential uh, from uh, from real estate. Uh, one thing I love about real estate is you can kind of do it however you want to, um, mm-hmm. right? Some some investors, you know dress up in suits and and have an office building with their name on it and other very successful investors don't even have business cards and don't wear sweatpants and jeans so you can kind of do it however however you want to and, and and on your terms it's um it's funny to kind of the misconception of being a real estate investor um is well number one i think everybody should you know kind of own Real estate is part, uh, part of an investment strategy. But the funny thing is, you know, if you own mutual funds, a 401k, people don't call you a stock trader, right? If you own one house, they're like, oh, you must be a real estate investor, right? And it doesn't have to be that way. So, um, but, but I do think real estate should be um, a part of everybody's investment portfolio just because it gives you uh, – the thing I liked about it was that it gave me control, right? I couldn't, Mm -hmm. you know, look, on a stock, I can pick the stock. I cannot control how they choose to do accounting or how they cook the books and how it affects the stock price. I can pick uh, what house I buy, what neighborhood I buy and what the extra strategy is. So so from that standpoint, I've got uh, what I feel like is a lot more control.
0: So how did you end up in building? Now, I know you say infill, I'm not part of the you know developers and builder community, so I'm not familiar with all of the builder terms. That's so awesome. the infill is there a different kind of you know builder? What is infill?
1: So so infill in, is simply uh, in any area that's kind of let's let's say already eighty to ninety percent built up, right? And mm-hmm. you've got house house house, no house 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 house. Well, guess what? I'm gonna put a house where there is no house uh and the the advantage of infill development is it allows some agility it allows you to move faster you're spending less on on infrastructure um because you know for instance in a typical you know high density neighborhood where it's already 80 to 90 percent built up i'm not guessing if there is access to utilities like water Mm -hmm. electric and gas Right. If there are four houses to the left of me, four houses to the right, uh, eight houses across the street, the chances of me not being able to get water, gas and electric is almost next to nothing. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's why I love infill development. Now, if I move, you know, in in a D.C., Maryland area, if I move outside of the Beltway, either Beltway, either, you know, either, you know, Greater Baltimore area or greater uh, DC metropolitan area if I move outside of the beltway to areas that are less densely developed on larger tracts of land the availability of those utilities isn't isn't a given anymore right sometimes um to develop those those uh, those lots to bring utilities to them sometimes you're talking about six figures seven figures right to uh that's usually to-
0: those big plot of land a big plot of land where they're going to do yeah. multiple houses now right. do you only do the infill so i'm assuming the infill is just in a developed community and there might be a lot so it do you only do just lots or a house that's on there and just tear it down and then start over
1: so i i have not done a tear down yet uh, for me, on t- most tear-down deals I see presented to me, the economics don't work.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: so in a hot real estate market, even a house that needs to be torn down is overpriced, right? Mm-hmm. Because because while, while you know it needs to be torn mm-hmm. down and the value is in the land, there's always someone, sometimes it's the seller, sometimes there's a buyer pool that think I'm going to fix this house up. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, mm-hmm. i watch HGTV and I'm going to flip this house. And I'm like, okay, you're, you're paying a whole lot for, uh, you know, for, for something where the value is only in the land. But um, if the economics were, I would do it, I would do it in a, in a heartbeat.
0: So how did you learn how to, you did the lease option. I'm assuming you did some rehab, regular rehab, rehab deals.
1: deals. Got the lease did- option, uh, went right into, uh, rehabbing, uh, learned wholesaling, um, uh, as the, um, as 2011 and 12 got, got back into, uh, rehabbing a lot more. And then as we rolled into 2016, when I kind of saw the market getting, getting super competitive again, mm-hmm. uh, that was when I decided that, um, building offered just it just offered a competitive advantage it just wasn't there wasn't a line around a block you know to 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 buy buy a lot lot. right i mean
0: but how did you learn how to do it i mean because if i just saw a lot i wouldn't know really the first thing to do i mean i know it. how did you learn how to actually like develop that lot
1: um you just kind of wing it no, no,
0: okay.
1: absolutely not. No, I don't <laughs> recommend anybody. I
0: don't either. Uh, but I want to yeah, know your but, experience.
1: Yeah, but uh, but 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 ment- mentors and coaches, uh, mentors and coaches. So, so
0: that's important in any industry. Having a mentor or a coach who's done it to help guide you and you know steer you away from those pitfalls.
1: Yeah, I mean, don't don't get me wrong. But you can figure out almost anything on your own, Um, but it might cost you. Yeah, I mean, it's right. It's going to it's it typically is is going to cost you. Uh, And often the, uh, you know, the the cost of ignorance and that, you know, not from a derogatory term, but just the fact that you don't know Mm -hmm. the cost of ignorance is typically tenfold the cost of education. Um, But yeah, but I I spent um, I spent three days in Richmond, Virginia with a, with a good buddy, uh, Chris Jefferson, who was a, uh, who was, uh, who, who was a builder in, uh, in a Richmond area. And I just spent three days sitting in a room with them, uh, with a whiteboard and just kind of learning learning, learning the process. Uh, but most importantly, getting confidence because I mean, here's the thing about new building, uh, When I kind of start to, when I began to see the opportunity, I saw the opportunity, but um, I I also saw and probably focused initially on a challenge, right? I was. I I had a
0: post about that today too.
1: I saw all the stuff that could go wrong, and um, Mm -hmm. and I'm sure everybody else was thinking about building, focused on. Everything that could go wrong, and I was like, okay. And I was like, at this point, I, I've rehabbed a whole bunch of houses, some pretty scary ones, and still, knew the idea of building new uh, intimidates me. And I said, okay, that's a good thing. That that is that is a good thing because right mm-hmm. on the other side of that of that challenge is is opportunity, right? Because I am, I am. I am, I'm all for barriers to entry as long as the process to get over them is clear, right? I'm not for, I'm not for rules that get rewritten unfairly to keep people out. But when there's a barrier to entry and there's a process, you know, there's a documented process to navigate and overcome it, I'm I'm for it. Because, because if you navigate and get through that process, you deserve that opportunity that's that's on the other side. So, uh, so I spent, um, you know really like the better part of of a year just kind of talking to people that had experience in in building uh formal you know formal sitting down with a coach going over process um before um the first new build project uh mm-hmm. got underway in 2017.
0: so when you had that that first one what was like the biggest mistake that you made on that project
1: um Everything. I mean, everything <laughs> took. Everything took longer than. Yes. Uh, and cost more than. Right. Um, and keep in mind, I, I had a I had a documented process from someone uh that was in the business, but I mean, there are just certain lessons that uh you are bound to learn uh, from the experience. Certain lessons you're you're bound. It, it, it's it's human nature. It's the human condition. Uh, Right. But but, yeah, people that are
0: scared to jump out there because, oh, I might make a mistake. It's inevitable. You got to make those mistakes because the best teacher is experience. So, you know, sometimes people might look at you now and not think about, well, you had a first deal, too. And it didn't go easy. And I'm sure you still have some challenges now. But back then, what would you say some of your challenges were? Because, you know, we've talked and um, just you being a black guy who's a builder, I don't see many of people that look like you building. So I have to assume that there's not a whole lot out there and that in itself might've been a challenge.
1: Yeah, you know, and, and, and I'm sure it was, uh, and I didn't focus on it. Um, you know, listen, being being, so even in our area, even in the, you know, DC Metro uh, greater Baltimore area, you know, you know, where we're based, I mean, where, where we've got a large minority population. Um, I mean, there are, listen, I mean, you know, even within real estate investment business, sometimes, uh, we just don't see a, a lot of people that look like us. And it's, mm-hmm. I'm so used to it, it at this point, it, it does it doesn't, uh, usually, um, bother me much, um, on, uh, particularly on, new builds or even rehabs anytime you're doing work to a property your your the place where you can you, your opportunity and your challenge are always going to be project management i don't care if if you're rehabbing to rent i don't care if you're re, if you're building from the ground up i don't care if you're rehabbing to sell project management is always going to be where you've got an opportunity to do better Get it done faster, cheaper, or it's got an opportunity to um, just take longer and cost more.
0: So, how do you um, do project management? Do you have a system? Um, do you just have a checklist? How do you? How do you? Um... So,
1: so you. So, for our uh, n- new build, we, we did have a, a a prop kind of a checklist. Um, now, honestly, we probably ignored a lot of your checklist right i mean a checklist is, <laughs> is only good when you reference it yes uh, and when you don't skip steps like some that's sometimes a checklist you're like yeah i don't mean, need to do it's, that one I see step three but i'm i'm kind of thinking yeah. let's go straight to step four. Um, yeah but it, so it's it's only as good as your discipline uh to follow that process to follow that checklist so uh, and listen that's that's something that's that is an ongoing evolution. That's an ongoing evolution of uh, trying to kind of document uh, processes. Process improvement is is something that I'll probably be be, be working on forever. All right?
0: Yeah. We we all in any industry or business that you're in, things change, and it's best to document your processes, not just for yourself, but to be able to pass that on as well. And also, sometimes it allows you to see where some of your bottlenecks in your systems are and, you know, areas of improvement that need to be to be made. So absolutely. Now, how do you normally find your your lots?
1: Uh, So lots I found the thing that's different. So I have not purchased a lot of houses from the MLS. I just hadn't. I, I, I a lot of times I don't find deals that give the type of returns I want on a multiple listing system, right? Mm-hmm. But I knew uh, I, I knew infill development was different when I kind of looked and saw, like, okay, uh, probably seventy-five percent of lot purchases have been sourced from the multiple listing system, meaning this was something that anybody else could have purchased, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but some very profitable deals are purchased from the mls i mean so i was like that's different because it's it's in our market not saying you don't find houses on you don't find great house deals on the mls but it takes a whole lot and and so when these uh you know 75 percent of uh lot purchases have been sourced off of the mls uh probably the other uh 25 percent uh, have been sourced by uh by, by referral by word of mouth
0: okay so you don't generally drive neighborhoods looking for lots
1: i look i look and i've and and, and i market and i've attempted to purchase um uh some some off-market uh off-market lot, lot inventory um and um and, and a lot it's, sometimes it's funny the seller will be like no nah, i'm not ready to sell yet i was thinking about it and then one day it pops up on the mls and i like You could have could have called me. I mean, but but whatever. Um, Yeah.
0: So I know something else that is hard for some people, and it's probably like a science. But like, so how do you how do you look at a lot and price it and say, okay, if I acquire this lot for this amount. I'm going to put this kind of house on it. It's going to cost this much. And then I'm going to sell it for that. Now, do you have a formula for that? Or is it just like you just have a knack for it? Like you can just in your head figure that out. Yeah.
1: Yes and yes. Um, so, so it starts out, it starts out by knowing, by, by knowing the neighborhood or neighborhoods you want to build in. Right. All right. It's uh, the, the easiest way. Uh, to find a needle in a haystack is to make that haystack as small as possible, right? So there are probably about 10 neighborhoods that I build in, 10 to 12 neighborhoods I build in. So once I remove the other hundreds of neighborhoods, that makes it easier already. So I, So once I already know that neighborhood, why I want to build there, I know what the ideal end product looks like because that's, you know you always you know on deals you kind of start with the exit in mind you mm-hmm. reverse that way you can reverse engineer the numbers even if a seller said you know what i'll sell this lot i don't know how much i want make me an offer well that becomes easy once i know okay number one what is the desirable end product how much does that end product sell for how much will that product cost to build and then that helps me determine how much I can pay for for the dirt. If I went into it without those things clear, it's a good chance I grossly overpay for the dirt or 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 make an offer that's grossly, you know, that's underbidding. N- neither one of those is good, right? In on one hand, I'm not being competitive, and on the other hand, I'm getting into getting into a deal that's not gonna um, that's not gonna make money. Um, so just knowing, so, so knowing those neighborhoods, knowing the end product, um, I mean, that is, that's paramount. That's paramount. That, I mean, so how long
0: has it taken you to really like fine tune that, you know, knowing what it's going to cost? Cause I'm assuming, you know, once you have your neighborhoods, you know, how much houses in the area cost. But you also need to know how much materials cost and right. how much labor is gonna cost and all of those things. And I think that's probably right. the scary part for most people,
1: not that knowing is, those costs. It's and it, it's a it's an ongoing process uh, because, as you can imagine, you know the cost of materials and and a cost of even labor are are, are moving, mm-hmm. up, uh, right. Uh, I mean they're they're moving so so you know a house uh, uh, you know whatever it costs to to build a house in the end of 2019 it's not going to cost you the same amount to build the exact same house on the exact same lot this year it's it's not gonna it's not gonna happen so that that is a that is something that's um that's always always uh evolving um i think for me, just just coming from you know going you know being in rehabs, being in, in rehabs first, gave, gave me a baseline of 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 what things cost. Um, mm-hmm. With you know the difference between building new and rehabbing, really, number one, you spend a whole lot more time just working to get permits right. Typically, the permitting. The permitting process is in my area, let's say three to four months when, when things go smoother. And then you've got even even before permitting, you've got probably- Wait,
0: for infill is three to four months just for the permits? Just for,
1: yeah, just for the permits. And that's, once again, that's assuming, that's kind of assuming min- minimal revisions, right? If you've got an architect who's who doesn't know what they're doing i mean that that process could be wow. three, three three months now listen that's not terrible in a grand scheme of things right
0: i mean it right. sounds terrible to me so how long does it take from the time you acquire the land to a finished product
1: approximately so 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 i, so I say from from closing the closing from the day you you purchase the dirt to the day you sell a finished house expect about a year to a year and three months. Wow. Um, so and, and, much okay.
0: can change in that time.
1: Right. So, it, and and that's why, you know, it's, so one thing about the neighborhoods I like, I consider them to be well-insulated neighborhoods. Um, so my philosophy is, you know, I, I wouldn't build a house in a neighborhood where i wouldn't be willing to build 20 or 30 them. so if it's a, if it's a neighborhood where i'm like you know what i don't know about this neighborhood but uh i'll do one if the if i'm like if i'm not sure about it
0: then dude, why, why do, do <laughs> why are you doing it oh, because God. so much can change you know yeah, like so, if you bought a piece of land right now and you're saying it could take a year to a year and three months well a year and a year and three months could be a whole different ball game
1: Right, but when you pick well insulated right. neighborhoods, neighborhoods that, that are um, kind of established neighborhoods yeah. with, with you know with uh, demonstrated demand, um, you're, you're insulated, right? And also, yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't look at a piece of dirt and say I could sell it for X amount today next year should be worth X plus 10%. I'll I'll look at it and say, no, I'm basing it on what I can sell it for today based on not one comp, but established comps. And I'm not, I'm not assuming any appreciation at all. I'm not. No, it appreciates great. Right? If it doesn't appreciate also great. Uh, But if I underwrite that deal, assuming appreciation and it's not there Uh, i'm in trouble
0: so how are you financing your deals now are you just financing them yourself or are you getting a loan uh, for them
1: combination of of cash on hand um debt partners or equity partners okay uh, so 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 cash on hand is usually needed to get to get to get into the deal um uh debt partners is just that just having a, a A lender or private lender or even a bank and an equity partner somebody who's putting up uh, capital for a piece of the profits.
0: so when you have to put your cash on hand is that generally ten percent twenty percent
1: twenty five percent it depends so is
0: uh, is it on the total deal or is it on the land portion
1: so Uh, A typical scenario would be um, paying for most of the land, right? Because a lot, you know, listen, a lot of lenders, a lot of lenders, their attitude is, you know, okay, if it's a rehab, they're like, you know, we don't want to take your house back, right? We don't want to take back a house you're you're rehabbing, but we will, right? As a lender, we will. Uh, The attitude towards land is like, we really don't want to take the land. Because, once again, there are there are less people willing to step in and, and buy land anyway. Right. So, so a lot of lenders see land as a, as a riskier um, proposal. So in turn, they do want to see that, okay, at least you've paid for the land or you've got a fair amount of skin in the game. And that way, if we have to take this land back and sell it at fire sale prices, at least we're closer to being made being made whole. Um, So so typically, you know, so all things considered a uh, new construction deal, an infill development deal uh, versus a rehab deal. You're going to typically, you're going to have less people willing to finance it and potentially uh, putting more skin in the game. But like anything, like anything, it's very much relationship driven. It is very Mm -hmm. much driven right you can have you can have the best deal in the world and if you don't have a track record or you've got a bad track record uh, no partner no lenders gonna want to touch it if you've got a deal that's just okay um, but you've got a great track record lenders may say hey you know look my you know based on your track record you know we we feel our capital is secure in, in your hands more secure than you know a better deal down the street with a guy with a guy or gal that does not have a truck record. So it is very much relationship driven.
0: Right. Okay. So back to like the construction part. Mm-hmm. Do you have your own crew that you um, usually employ, or do you hire like
1: a construction so we, company? So we manage. We manage our own projects. We don't have any salaried uh, employees. We manage all of the individual trades. So there. Uh, and so
0: you just hire the people onto the job yep. as as needed okay yep. how many projects are you normally doing at one time
1: so right so so right now uh, the count is i wrote it down uh the count is so right right now for new builds uh in between uh acquisition uh and actual building there are seven uh seven projects right now uh, one that's in Acquisition. Hopefully, I've got um, uh, clear to close in the next week or so. Uh, Four in design and permitting. Uh, Two being built. Um, that's on the, on the build side. So you edge. just
0: kind of move them along into. Yeah. The so next, the next so, project. So
1: ideal. Ideally, ideally, you've got a, uh, a pipeline and not a warehouse. So an ideal pipeline is where you know you've got that where you've got projects moving through various phases anything from being in escrow to to buy it to design and permitting to under construction and being in escrow to sell right and ideally you've got you know it's kind of evenly spaced out, right you don't have all seven projects in escrow to purchase at the same time because that means you're going to have all seven in permitting at the same time all All seven under construction at the same time all seven Trying to sell at the same time. That, as you can imagine, that's a cash flow nightmare. Um, I,
0: I can imagine. Yeah, I definitely so can imagine.
1: Ideally, ideally, you've got ideally, uh, you've got a pipeline, right? So not a warehouse of just deals all sitting at the same place, but a pipeline of okay, you know, one is, you know, one comes into the pipeline via acquisition to sell next week. That's that's ideal. Household. Yeah.
0: Keeping the, the flow going. Yeah, that's
1: ideal. Never happens though. So
0: mm-hmm. how many of these have you done approximately?
1: Uh so for new so for infield uh new okay. builds done three uh three over three years and then like I say then plan for the next uh year to year and a half just based on right now. So uh, wait we'll since two
0: thousand and sixteen? Seventeen. Two thousand and seventeen. Yeah
1: first one was completed end of end of 17 so call it 3 so call it 3 3 years give or take
0: no how many of the infill projects have you done like how many houses have you built
1: right infill three, three just infill three it,
0: it seems out. like it's been so many
1: more i mean i'm kid, always
0: seeing know, your that. yellow door
1: well that's up. a, t- a of rehabs awesome okay kind of rehabs also. Um so right now for rehabs right now there are uh six rehabs right now. Um two in the acquisition phase, should be closing in the next two weeks, three weeks on those, uh and four in various stages of uh, rehab, everything from just starting to hitting the market next week.
0: So which one do you like
1: doing more? Um I don't. I don't have a preference. I don't. I, I am. I'm very. I, I'm very numbers driven, right? So I okay, which don't. Which one has own, the
0: best numbers?
1: Uh, all things being considered, uh, the the new builds. Uh, less less competition. Like simply, mm-hmm. right? So you know, mar- markets markets force efficiency, right? Mm-hmm. So in a very hot market, uh, typically that just means that. Profits are gonna be squeezed on uh, an asset class that everybody wants. Once, yeah. uh, you take an asset class that not so many people uh, are looking for, and all things being considered, profits profits uh, do increase. You know, look, they're both they both have their ups ups and downs. The the downside to a new build is that it takes longer, which mm-hmm. which is one reason that it has to make more money. If it's gonna take longer, you're gonna have real holding costs, you're gonna have opportunity costs. So it it in my opinion, it needs to make more money uh, since right. it's taking you since it's taking longer. Uh, on a new build, you know, your costs are much more front-loaded. Uh, typically in between due diligence, design, mm-hmm. and permitting on an average project, uh, you're out of pocket somewhere around forty thousand dollars. Right? Mm-hmm. 40k. Uh, so not to actually build anything, but typically to have, uh, a stack of papers that say you can build, so 40 K. Right. That, mean, that, that definitely is a
0: lot. Right. So it's, you know, that,
1: that can be, that can be frustrating to say, okay, it's taking me, um, in between design and permitting, it's, it's taking four or five months, uh, I'm out of pocket 40,000 and then, and only then does the real work begin on, on a right. rehab. Um, you know, forty thousand dollars. You've probably made a decent dent. Any actual rehab, right? Uh, you might be heading towards the finish line. Where on a new build, you're just getting started.
0: So, how has the pandemic affected your business? Has it had a positive mm-hmm. effect, a negative effect?
1: Overall positive. Overall positive. Uh, uh, the negative effects have been limited to uh, have been limited to things taking longer. Everything from uh, the recordation of, of, of title, right? I mean, the courthouses have slowed down. Uh, materials, uh, material costs have gone up and yes. taken and taken longer. Yes. Well, so because so. I
0: remember you when I was building my house, you were seeing if you can keep up with a regional builder. <laughs>
1: Because, yeah, because what happens is at that time, lumber prices were shooting through the roof. Um, And even though they were shooting through the roof, builders weren't like, okay, I'm not going to buy lumber. They said, okay, I still need the lumber. I mean, you you know, you almost doubled on me overnight. I still need it, though.
0: Yeah. And and so,
1: and and things like windows were taking.
0: It took a long time. Our house, everything was practically up. Uh no windows and i was so pissed like where are our windows siding to siding like there was no siding on the house there was brick on the front no siding on the house
1: and and figure figure this so for the lumber companies the window suppliers even the appliance manufacturers you know when uh when there's a supply chain issue you know you got to figure like who Whose order were they filling first? Were they those, filling my order first? Or filling those big
0: builders? orders, right? Those builders. Your,
1: your builder. Yeah. Uh, same. You know, and also there, um, there did become, uh, and there's still some some, some labor shortages, right? Because let's face it. If you could have gotten paid $60,000 to not work.
0: To sit on the couch. A yeah, lot of them were taking that, that option.
1: All, nobody. Yep making that choice. Um, so you could, you know, pick, stay inside at $60,000 or be outside in contact with other people for far less. I mean, that was the easy decision. So even now, still, you know, there's still, there are labor shortages. I mean, there, mm-hmm. you know, there, there is tough time finding skilled labor. So just in the same example of, well, if there's a shortage of lumber, Who do you think the lumber uh, yard is going to fill first? They're going to fill the big builder's order first. If there's a shortage of concrete contractors, who do you think the concrete contractor, what job do you think they're going to pick, mine or the the big builder that's like, well, look, if you can't show up for this one, forget about the other 20 or 30, right? They're going to be at the big builder uh, all the time.
0: Yeah. So. Just a couple more questions. So what is a typical day like for you?
1: Uh, so t- t- typical day is... What time do you wake up? Uh, 5 a.m., give or a take. Uh, so simply up up at 4, up at 4, 4.30, um, getting exercise in by uh, 5.30 or 6, um, getting ready for the day, catching up on emails and et cetera uh from from the day prior and then after that it 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 goes crazy after that then after that like the the plan I had uh just it 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 falls apart more often than not but um (laughs) a typical day is really um is is really uh trying to do I don't know Two days' worth of stuff in in one day. That's, that's the typical, typical day.
0: What time does it end? Um, Probably like around
1: 10, give or take.
0: At night? hmm Oh, not wow. Crazy.
1: Not crazy. Not not crazy. Uh, Not too crazy.
0: That's crazy. Waking up at 4, 4.30 and ending at 10. Do you All work right. five days a week, seven days a week, three days a
1: week? Eight, eight days a week. Nah. Oh Lord! Well, not it's um, nah. But listen, I do, I do, uh, I do know, I do know how to uh, kind of un- unplug it as I need to. Um, I mean, I I enjoy what I do, so that's a challenge because uh, when you enjoy, so they say, you know, when you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life, right? Fact is, when you love what you do, you work every day in your life. So, so it is, it is a little bit of challenge to. To know, uh, to know, work is still work, even though you enjoy it. Work, work is work. Work isn't, isn't, isn't relaxation. It's not to be confused. Um, so that that is a little bit challenging. And also, um, I'm always trying to get better on, um, on, on focusing on the things that really move the needle. Um, right. When you know, on an average day, when you create this to-do list, right, um, we all kind of naturally. Go towards the tasks that are easy, right? But typically, those tasks aren't the ones that are most impactful at all. Mm-hmm. So, uh, just like just like with with building or with real estate deals, where the profitable projects are the ones that are hard. Typically, when it comes to tasks, the ones that are hard are the ones that are in, impactful. So you got to be like, you know, the one. I, I, so the one on a to do list that's been on its on the to do list. Every day mm-hmm. the last week. It's probably the one I need to do. <laughs> right. not, the, not the new ones I added this right. morning, but probably the one that's been there since since Friday. The one I'm not right. looking forward to doing, the one Just that get it done. The one that feels like it's gonna take eight hours is probably the one I need to start doing like right now.
0: So that is considering going into building, infill building, what would you tell them?
1: I would say do it, so I would say spend time, spend time um, researching it, uh, learning it. Uh, So, you know, for me, like, you know, one of the first things I did was like, go on YouTube, right? I mean, YouTube is a great resource. Like to this day now, I watch more YouTube than regular TV, right? Um, But start, start doing some research. So find, you know, find out if you think it's for you. You won't have all the answers. So, so don't so, so don't think that going to YouTube university is gonna get you there, but you'll you will start to get a feel for it. is it is it really is it really for you? Like knowing and, and you gotta kind of be in tune with with who you are and what you like and what you don't like. Um, right. don't simply say, well, it seems like it makes money. Cool. There's a lot of things in the world that make money, but if it's not for you, it, it won't make you money. Um, but right. then after but after you've after you've kind of said, OK, it's for me, um, start to talk to people that are doing exactly what you want to do. All right. And you've got to be clear about this is what I want to do. This is what I'm looking to learn um, and, and ask, would they would they mentor you um, formally, not informal, not you don't want to. Can I pick your brain them to death? Right. You don't want to. Even even if they're willing to, they don't
0: even have time.
1: Even if they're that. willing to oblige you, you just even if they even if they even if they even if they are nice and they let you pick their brain to death, you still won't get to where you want to. There does come a time when you've got to be like, okay, I need to formally, you know, uh, have a coach or mentor with with a a clear goal of what is deemed success. And if it's exactly. a process to yep. whatever, but you've got it, you do have to eventually do that if yep. you want to make that leap. And it's, um, in, this, in this business, you're, you're always, you're always going to have uh, mentors and or coaches. Sometimes they're peer mentors, but you're always going to have them. There's never a time in which you're going to know everything. Um,
0: They always say your coach should have a coach.
1: I'm I'm sure. And I'm sure they do. I am. Most coaches I know do have coaches.
0: Exactly.
1: There are some people who who are great, who are great at what they do, but that doesn't just make a great coach media. That doesn't, I mean, coaching is something it's a skill. And so some, so for instance, you might have somebody who could, who 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 could build a house with their eyes closed doesn't make them a great coach. So some of those people have coaches to turn them into great coaches.
0: Exactly. So last question.
1: Yeah. What's next for you? Uh, so so next is is just continuing to apply the lessons I learn every day. To just seeking out other challenges and other opportunities uh, for for infill development, um, building a house, but building a single house is is somewhat low hanging fruit, right it's it's pretty easy, straightforward to see. Uh, but those lessons um, I've been learning over the years, you know, I can start to apply them to. Uh, multi-unit, I can start to apply them to uh, mixed use, I can start to apply them to other uh, asset classes within, uh, you, you, you know, within, you know, within real estate. Um, so, so it's, I mean, so I mean, it, there's, there's still a lot, still a lot for me to learn, and still a lot of um, challenges to seek out uh, within, uh, within, um, um, building. Uh, I'm, I'm working on right now, I'm working on my first modular uh, build project as a way to kind of um, open up uh, my capacity, because, you know, right now, I said there were, you know, probably a dozen neighborhoods i build built and these and these neighborhoods are are far from affordable. These are, you know, 800,000 to a million dollar plus neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. And those are the neighborhoods I, I seek out because I deem the uh, the potential profit to be worth it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's so that just means there's so many other places I right now i I don't deem it profitable to build. So I am working on my um, first um, modular project as a way to to you know, save time on construction, bring the mm-hmm. costs down and open up the opportunity to areas that are, you know, $400,000 to $500,000. dollars
0: mm-hmm.
1: okay. yeah.
0: sounds awesome. And I wish you the best. I thank you so much for being on my podcast and sharing your information, sharing your experiences with me and my audience. So I'm going to be watching and learning. Now, you did have classes. Are you going to have any classes coming up for people that might want to learn?
1: Yeah, I'll likely. So I was doing, uh, so last year I was doing on-site classes. These were uh, classes done at an actual project. Uh, Classes lasted four hours. They were usually limited to about 20 people um, but I will be starting classes likely second quarter of this year some on-site classes but uh, but but likely doing most of the classes uh, online doing virtual classes uh, and that way just you know that way it, it, it allows uh, me to offer that to people who aren't located in Washington DC or Northern North Virginia
0: Well, when you have that up and running, I'll make sure I get that information from you so I can share it with people that are interested in learning to do what you do. And again, thank you so much for your time and for your information. And I wish you the best in future projects.
1: Thanks, Sarah. The honor was all mine. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye.